Hi everyone and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is December 7th, 2017. Apparently the North Koreans have heard that Japan is expanding the tourism base and they are coming here in hordes. Michael? Well, something's sending all kinds of ships into Jap Japanese waters and Japanese, even Japanese ports. And they're not habited, or at least not w with people who are living. It's really strange because it appears that North Korea has decided we need to feed our people. They've built a huge fleet of these boats, probably 15-man boat, for, mostly for fishing, right? Yeah, and they're, they're, just, they're made of, of wood. They're not designed for winter travel, seemingly, and, and they're... More and more of them are showing up on Japanese shores. Carbon copies Jap almost. Uh, yeah, of Jap but in Japanese waters and frequently with quite dead individuals in them. So that they, they're clearly that something's going on where they're being sent out, possibly on fishing uh, expeditions, mm -hmm. possibly as a part of military uh, service. And the, pe the persons who are going out there have no, seem to have no sea knowledge. Right. Truly, many of them, there, there is one incident currently with a, a crew that has actually survived, but who had a broken down ship and who managed to make it to an island in Hokkaido, and we'll talk about that. But, but if you say ship, it's, it, it's a little bit mischaracterized. Yeah, that's, you're right. These are, these are relatively small vessels. They're, they're, they're you know, maybe 20 meters long at the longest, but mm -hmm. they're usually around, around 8 to 15. Uh, they're not big vessels at all, and a lot of them are showing up. Yes, I've seen photos of the fleet. I mean, it is, there are thousands of them, and they're all pretty much the same. Apparently, like I said earlier, they're, they're on a push now because it wasn't until just recently that a lot of these these vessels began to wash up on the shores of Japan. The other aspect of that that, that concerns the uh, Japan Coast Guard uh, is that they simply don't have the resources to handle that many uh, ships entering Japanese waters and fishing there. Mm -hmm. And there have been a lot of programs on television recently of fishing communities along the Sea of Japan with the fishermen there uh, taking video of all these North Korean vessels that are out there. Now, th there's a financial incentive for the North Koreans, of course, in that anything that they, they, they catch, especially if it's in Japanese waters, uh, they're going to take back uh, and sell, either through private channels or to the government, which then go is used uh, to, to sell to the Chinese with sanctions on, on the DPRK as, mm -hmm. as the moderating element. But clearly, this year, it's, it's really gotten out of hand. Right. It's significant. And I've heard that there are, uh, the, the fishermen up in uh, Akita and in Aomori, there are, there are regions out there that they just ignore. They've kind of uh, relinquished it to the North Koreans because they are there in so many droves. And just uh, fishing alongside them, it, it creates too much of a problem. It's too much of a problem. And also, it's probably not, it's just pointless. Now, a lot of the boats are squid boats. Mm -hmm. uh, and those require electrical lighting. And so they're quite visible at night. Uh, so there should be a capacity uh, within the Japanese Coast Guard and also within the, the fishing cooperatives. Now, the fishing cooperatives, they're really supposed to be doing part of the police work. Mm -hmm. That's part of the deal between the government and the cooperatives, that they largely get to run what's going on in the area where they are organized. Uh, but they're just completely overwhelmed right now. You know, a couple of months ago, I'm not sure when it was, we did something on the ghost ships of, of North Korea. You remember that? Right, we did. And what the story there was that w boats with, with bodies on them were beginning to wash up, and we never really got to the 
the core of that. Well, the, the, the same situation is happening now. It seems as though that there are, there are not enough trained crews in North Korea to man all these ships and that per persons who really don't know what they're doing are going out there. We want food. We want food, perhaps, but also more likely they want to have uh, something that they can sell. And, and ocean products have been one of the few things that North Korea has, has that... Uh, they've been able to sell in the international markets. One would think that their areas closest to their own uh, shores are probably strip-mined mm -hmm. entirely of, of their natural resources. What, what else would a, a poor country do? Uh, which would you know, seem to create the tremendous incentive to go across international borders and into the, t the e economic exclusion zones of other countries in order to plunder that, those right. areas as well. Uh, but if you're going to do that, you need to have ships, you need to have crews, and they seem to be at least having very, very, uh, very significant losses in terms of, of both. Well, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's just fish that they're looking for. No, we never know with the North Koreans, and I, I'm not one. But it's not an exodus either. It's not an exodus. There could be some individuals who are trying indeed to leave the country. Uh, Considering the, the, the distances and considering uh, the relative ease given the currents and all, the number that actually do try to defect is vanishingly small. Mm -hmm. And so that... that we love our leader. To, you know, but if, unless there's some kind of severe famine going on in the DPRK that no one knows about, the incentives for going out are, are probably pretty poor. Also, of course, that... DPRK citizens can't trust each other very well, <laughs> and they don't know which one of them is the snitch in right. any group of, that exists. Uh, so what, we're, what Japan is stuck with is these, these ships that are washing up, they can't be returned, they're, they're going to have to be disposed of, and then all of these remains, uh, what, what are you going to do with these, you know, with these, these dead bodies? Uh, if you if you take care of them in the usual Japanese way, that's cremating them, and they're and you're you're going to have issues of of repatriation, mm -hmm. and you don't want to have that, and you also can't fill up your morgues with these things either. So it's 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 a, a management issue as well as a, a humanitarian issue. I think the bigger issue here, though, is apparently some of the sh the boats have landed on Japanese unmanned islands that have. Uh, shelters on them, and those have been just stripped bare, and they've had photographs of these boats returning back with all sorts of rice cookers, bicycles, doorknobs, everything that they could they could uh, pick up off the island. What a blessed country it is that would have uninhabited islands on it with fully equipped kitchens uh, ready to go right. uh, when someone shows up, and these for the DPRK, it must. For people from the DPRK, it must seem like sure. paradise. Yeah, it gives Bakugai a different meaning. Yeah, you, it certainly does make it. In this case, uh, you, you just arrive there, and all mm -hmm. these things are there and ready to go, and you take them with you. Mm -hmm. uh, I cannot really blame the North Koreans who are currently in custody for having done that. Uh, they certainly knew it was wrong because they immediately started dumping uh, their goods over the side, uh, and we'll see how that case proceeds forward. There's a there's a crew that's being held up in Hokkaido right now, but the, the the truth of the matter is is that Japan has hundreds of uninhabited islands. Uh, many of them do have structures on them, and many of them, in fact, have owners and and have uh, fully furnished homes and such. 
that they're going to, it's it's very similar to the problem with empty houses on, on, on in Japan there are, somehow some people are going to get into them and in this case it was a set of North Korean travelers. Mm-hmm. They're on a fishing mission. They're going back home, too. Nobody, like I said earlier, it's, it's not an exodus. They're not going someplace else. Apparently, they're there. I mean, I don't know what this portends, but there must be a, a drive to just feed themselves, feed their population there. And that's probably the reason why this fleet is, is you know, populating potentially contested Japanese waters. And there, the problem is, is for the, the Japan Coast Guard, how can it respond? The... Situation in the Senkaku Islands, where there is constant uh, jostling going on between the, the Coast Guard of China and fishing vessels coming from China and the Japan Coast Guard, has required there to be a constant presence mm-hmm. of, a, of many of the larger vessels that the Coast Guard has, so that there are vast parts of the Japanese coastline which are understaffed or not staffed at all in terms of Coast Guard uh, crews. So. One of the consequences is that other areas suddenly have these invasions of economic actors. We had a, a few years back uh, the uh, situation in the Ogasawara Islands and also in the, in the Iza Islands of uh, Chinese uh, coral fishery. Right. That come that this hundreds of boats suddenly suddenly just show up. Talk about strip mining and, and are dragging uh, the the ocean bottom there and the very few Coast Guard cutters that are still in that region are simply overwhelmed by mm-hmm. this armada. That's, that seems to be what's happening now in the Japan Sea. Uh, and it, that should be really the story. Instead, we're, we're focusing on these dead crews, which are actually seemingly an ancillary part of a, of a larger invasion, economic invasion story that... Uh, uh, the fishermen in that region have been complaining about for many, many months now. Mm-hmm. The northern coast of Japan has seen an uptick in boats from North Korea that come in overturned or empty. What does this pretend for what's going on in North Korea? It's really important. Please stay tuned. We're going to continue to watch this. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is December 7th, 2017. The United Nations General Assembly on Monday adopted Japan's resolution for nuclear nonproliferation. Michael, it's a big deal. I don't know if it's a big deal. Uh, A few countries this time walked away from previous support for Japan's annual putting out of this uh, declaration. And it's not because they're changed. It's because the declaration has changed. Uh, the Abe administration, in trying to, one could say, either be more honest or be more... Uh, inclusive? Inclusive, or what they would probably call proactive pacifism, uh, does not absolutely condemn the existence of nuclear weapons to the extent that anti-nuclear activists, particularly the Nobel Prize winning uh, group, uh, international uh, group that won the Nobel Prize for being anti-nuclear, I can, uh, they, are, they feel really betrayed uh, by Japan. And Japan, in many ways, is the linchpin of the anti-nuclear movement right. worldwide. And you can't really name another country which has greater influence over the whole. Mm-hmm. First of all, of course, because Japan uh, was, is the only country that has ever been bombed using nuclear weapons. Thank, so thank as a, good, thank as a flag bearer, as a... Standard bearer. But then more importantly, because Japan is a high technology la- nation, uh, it has a very large uh, 
currently mostly mothballed civilian nuclear reactor program. It has the, the uh, capacity, which has never been turned on, to separate plutonium out of waste fuel. And it currently is sitting on 44 tons of separated plutonium, which is enough for thousands of nuclear weapons. Uh, but it has never developed them. Mm -hmm. uh, and Japan's, with that technological capacity, matched by Japan's immense uh, launch vehicles for satellites, that's basically a nuclear deterrent. If anybody could, they could. They could, right. but they don't. And as long as Japan doesn't, then Japan serves to, to weld together the non-proliferation regime. Mm -hmm. So that any sign of wavering by Japan puts up people's antenna immediately and starts worries about, is Japan starting down the road to mm -hmm. its own self-defense, its own deterrent, uh, and thereby destroying this very delicate but extremely successful uh, non-proliferation regime that has existed since the 1960s. Right. Getting a resolution adopted by the United Nations is a pretty big deal. I mean, that's not easy stuff. No, and it's expensive, too. Japan clearly has to pay what amount to bribes to many smaller countries in order to get them to vote right. for their particular uh, resolutions in the General Assembly. That's one of the great things about the General Assembly. It's a, it's a, it's a bazaar where you can tr trade votes for cash uh, not quite openly on the floor, but certainly uh, Japan's aid programs and the aid programs of many large countries, including China, are often tied uh, to the behavior of weaker and smaller governments in the United Nations mm -hmm. General Assembly. And then that really gets a lot of play when small nations make it up into the, the Security Council. Then they, they're, in, they're in fat city because mm -hmm. they can really ask for all kinds of goodies from the Permanent Five. Now, Japan's not a member of the Permanent Five of the Security Council, even though it's been on the Security Council more times than any other country except Brazil. Uh, those, they t they, those two countries currently share the record for the most times a, being a non-permanent member. Uh, and that's, a ca that's a, 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 having to do, in Japan's case, with its ability to, to dispense cash. Mm -hmm. uh, any sign that you know, Japan wants to, to, to make some changes is also going to cost cash and right. certainly must have in this case. They got, some countries moved away, some mo countries moved closer on, on the Japanese resolution. Uh, and it's, in this case, ideology only plays a small part. Isn't it really a, a more a branding issue? Japan wants to be known as the nuclear non-proliferator and we, we can show you through our example, that you don't need to, to develop nuclear weapons. And that's precisely what the counter-argument is. This is why, why devalue your brand? Mm -hmm. Why in any way change what is and has been an extremely successful uh, image? And it is image because Japan is defended by nuclear weapons. It just happens to be not Japanese right. ones. Right. Uh, it's, it is th that, that incredible switcheroo that Japan does with saying, you know, we hate nuclear weapons, we, we have the three non-nuclear, uh, we have the three non-nuclear principles, we do not possess, we do not allow the transit, we do not have the stationing of nuclear weapons on, on our territory. Uh, all these wonderful moral stances, and the moment there is even the slightest hint that the United States nuclear force may not be used to, to defend any part of Japan, they immediately freak out. Sure. So that 
even when you're talking about worthless rocks like the Senkaku Islands, right. and they are worthless rocks, whoever it is who thinks that they're, they're worth something is just selling you some, an idea. But they really want to know that those worthless rocks will be treated as Japanese territory worthy of up unto nuclear war mm -hmm. to defend. Right. That's, right. that's, that's the, the, the joke about this mm -hmm. whole thing, is that Japan gets to play both sides. Well, the other part of this is that North Korea is practicing, you know, with, with their technology and trying to become a, a nuclear country, a, a country that can throw its weight around. And that was, that's what gives the Abe administration the ability to make these changes. They can say that, and, and they say with really uh, insulting frequently, Frequency. Japan is in the most severe security situation it has been since the end of World War II. Now that is absolutely false. Uh, it has been in seriously much more danger many other times mm -hmm. in history. Uh, but it is their rhetoric and it gives them the in on adapting, manipulating, changing the wording of their declaration, which is, it, it has been going on for two decades mm -hmm. that this Japan has been providing this, uh, this nuclear non-proliferation wording to the General Assembly. And they say, okay, we're in a different situation now. We need to change, uh, change the declaration. Well, some of the European countries go, tut, tut, that's bad form. Mm -hmm. And other countries say, oh, you're, 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 you're bowing to reality. That's, that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. The United Nations General Assembly adopts Japan's resolution for nuclear non-proliferation. Let's see how that embellishes Japan's brand throughout the world. Hi everyone, it's December 7th, 2017. This is our last episode for this year and I just want to say a giant thank you for everyone who has made this year so successful for us. I'd also like to say thank you for everyone who's watched, everyone who's shared, everyone who's commented during the year. All of your feedback has made this a much better show, and every time you comment, we learn something we didn't know about ourselves. You know, with all the challenges that are going on in media circles these days, this idea that we started off with Tokyo on Fire three years ago has really bloomed, and it really requires your input too. We started with Tokyo on Fire and Brand 2020, and we've expanded that to Inside Baseball and Japanese Politics 101. And we do this because of your recommendations to us, so please keep those comments coming. In 2018, we'll have new ideas, and we'll put those before you, and we'll try to make this the very best program on Japanese politics on the web. We need your help to do that, and we look forward to seeing you in the new year. Please share it with your friends. We're just under 2,000 subscribers right now. We'd like to get over that before the new year, and so please, please tell your friends or pass it on to your colleagues. We would love to have them as our viewers as well. So keep those comments coming, and we'll see you in 2018.